Foodie lovers, it's time. Hello, food lovers, it's Dave. Are you ready for some foodie fun? Yes, today and every weekday, cooking something good and your host, Dave Duso, brings you foodie fun adventures and fantastic food talk. Get ready for great recipes, food experts, daily prizes, lots of laughs, and of course, great deals on restaurant certificates and other food-related items at cookingsomethinggood.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, oh no, it's Dave Dussault. Good morning. Hey, the CSG Broadcast Network is proud to present Transcribed in front of a live studio audience from the Conway Scenic Railroad's Central New England headquarters here in the asparagus capital of the world, Hatfield, Massachusetts. It's time for Cooking Something Good, where fun is food and food is fun, and it's always foodie fun time here at Cooking Something Good. This week, we celebrate the National Cocktail with our special guest from the gigantic cocktail bar in East Hampton, Massachusetts, its co-owner, Ned King. From Singapore, our Southeast Asian food and drink connoisseur, Dan Flurkey, joins us. We also have today's Shirila Dila, the day it's the iconic Conky Joe's restaurant in Jensen Beach, Florida, and a chance for you to win $50 if you know the foodie know-it-all question of the day. It's cocktail-related. And we'll also have a chat with a kid formerly known as Jack the Intern, but now he's a man, and his title is our executive producer. Not to mention that it's his birthday, Jack Hessian. We're going to talk all about the CSG Broadcast Network. All of that today. But first, we want to take a moment and say thank you to our incredible sponsors. They make all of this possible. First, the Conway Scenic Railroad. Always looking for great things to do with the kids? Hey, hop on over and ride their Easter Bunny Express. What is that, you ask? You and your family will enjoy a photo opportunity with the Easter Bunny at their historic North Conway Rail Station that was built in 1874. It's a National Historic Site. And along with that, there's a special goodie bags for the kid. And, you know, the Easter Bunny is actually there and gives it to the kids. It also includes a train ride to Conway, and there's a scavenger hunt along the way. Kid fun adventure. You're always looking for something to do with the kids. Go to ConwayScenic.com and check out the Easter Bunny Express. Restaurant owners, stop wasting money. Why are you mopping up your floors? It takes a long time at the end of a long day and you're using toxic chemicals and they eat away at your floors and they leave your pipes and your drainage and your septic system all greasy. It is a code violation waiting to happen. Spill Solved is recyclable. It can be used and reused several times and it's not just for restaurants. It's also used in place of Speedy Dry for commercial industrial and municipal applications. And yes, 
it's great for a multitude of residential spills also. I have a container of spill salt in my basement and I use it whenever I have any type of spill around my house. And using it has saved me money. Affordable, practical, and delivered to your house. You buy Spill Solve now at cookingsomethinggood.com. And when you buy it from cookingsomethinggood.com, you get free shipping. E.L. Harvey, quietly improving our quality of life with environmentally safe and economically sensible waste disposal and recycling since 1911. ELHarvey.com. And last but not least, Manny's Olive Oil. Manny's Olive Oil is organically grown and hand-picked from Manny's family's own olive trees on the island of Crete. Manny's Olive Oil, from Manny's Greek family to your family's kitchen. It's Manny's Olive Oil. You can find that at csgbn.com or your local grocery stores. And those are our sponsors. All right, that's done. What do we do next? The foodie know-it-all, huh? Okay, good for you guys. They're, they're mixing it up today. They're having me mix it up. We're going to do the foodie know-it-all question of the day. And today, it's all about cocktails, right? Our guests are all cocktail-related. Today is cocktail day. It's National Cocktails Day. So why not have the foodie know-it-all question of the day revolve around something to do with cocktails? Here are the ingredients. You take a half teaspoon of sugar, three dashes of Angostura bitters, one teaspoon of water, two ounces of bourbon or rye, and you garnish it with an orange peel. It is the most consumed cocktail in the world, and it is also one of the oldest mixed drinks in the world. It is the most consumed mixed cocktail in the world, and it is also one of the oldest cocktails in the world. And once again, sugar, bitters, water, bourbon or whiskey or rye, this will be the day that I die. Remember that? This will be the day that I die. When I was a kid, I thought drinking whiskey and rye. I thought whiskey, I kind of knew what whiskey was, even when I was little. But I thought rye was something that grew out in the fields and that you mixed with the whiskey. It just goes to show how stupid I was. And here's a hint, I'm not that much smarter. Once again, half a teaspoon of sugar, three dashes of bitters, one teaspoon of water, two ounces of bourbon, whiskey, or rye, and you can garnish it with an orange peel. That's classic. Some people use lemon peels. Classic is the orange peel. And you have what? It is the foodie know-it-all question of the day. How do, you, how do you win? What do you win? Lots of questions still out there, Dave. You win today. Guess what? It's a 50, 50 $50 Visa gift card. And all you need to do is answer the question. You need to be the first person to answer that question. What drink? What cocktail? Because it's National Cocktail Day. I should say, what cocktail did I just describe? I know you're thinking, how do I win the $50 gift card, the Visa gift card? How do I win? 
Be the first person. You ready? You text 732-336-1040. Be the first person to do that, and you indeed do win that $50 Visa gift card. We'll just mail it off to you. Pretty easy. It's usually $20. Every three or four or five months, we do it for $50. Why not, right? It is today's foodie know-it-all question of the day. Jack the intern is no longer Jack the intern. He's now our executive producer. We're thrilled to have him with us right now. Jack, welcome to the show. Hello. How you doing, Dave? How you doing? Good. You are a Michigan State grad, so this was a rough weekend when it comes to March Madness. It definitely was. Definitely was a little disappointing. A little disappointing. I'm a big, you know I'm a big Michigan State fan. Played their hearts out when nobody gave them they a, did. any chance whatsoever. Yeah, nobody gave them any credit. No, Nothing. No credit. Hey, we're here. It's uh, it's your birthday week. We're so excited. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday to me. Hey, you started as an intern, and now you're here full-time, and uh, I just want to let you know, I joke on the air about you all the time. We really appreciate everything you've done for us. You're, uh, you've been great, So, and with that in mind, we're looking forward to moving ahead with our next project, and that is the CSG Broadcast. You're welcome. It's the CSG Broadcast Network, and it's a network of a network where people who either, either want to do have always wanted to do or have dreamed of doing a podcast or maybe already have a podcast but aren't making a lot of headway yet, it's a place for them to to put their podcast. Am I describing this right? Can you describe it better than I can? Yeah, no, I think that was a, I think that was a pretty good dis- description. Um, I think the, it's really a, a place where we're trying to invest in some, some talent and shows and Make uh, either their dreams, whatever their goals have been in podcasting or entertainment come true. Yeah, and if you're on our network, first of all, it's nine ninety nine a year, which is cheap. There's no, that's it. It's nine ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents a year to be here. And when you're on our network, you're also on all the other podcast networks. Yeah, you're on every every platform, anywhere that podcasts are listened to, played, wherever you like to listen to them. There you go. Right, Get and we it. yeah, and we do we cross promote, so all our shows cross promote, and we have a profit share model. And you can just reach out to Jack at CookingSomethingGood dot com, and he'll, we can give you more information about that. But we don't take every yeah yeah we don't take everybody. We've rejected um, quite a few, and we've taken. Four so far. We have uh, three more. We think are going on the next forty-five days. So basically, if we if we think you either have a good show already or a good idea, and you have the ability but you're not quite there, we work with you. We have uh, if you don't have the equipment, we have great deals on on the, uh, on buying the equipment you need. It's really not that expensive, but uh, a lot of people, I think they shy away from it, and I'm not sure if you agree with me on this, but they may shy away from it because they think it's too expensive or too complicated. Yeah, no, I agree. It definitely feels like something that has a barrier to entry, but it's not that crazy. So if you ever thought about it, or if you already have a show and you're not making a lot of progress, that's the other thing we work with people uh, to help them develop their shows and Hey, maybe, who knows, you could be the next big podcaster, or if nothing else, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I don't think I've ever had more fun in my life. 
It is a good time. With my clothes on. <laughs> right? I think that's fair. I think it's fair enough. But it is fun. I did, I, yeah, I did, it is fair enough. Yeah. It, it's, it's enjoyable. It's, and in, in my case, it's something I enjoy doing. I'm a good cook. I'm not, uh, I'm not the next great 58-year-old chef that's going to break out and be uh, a huge success and own five Michelin star restaurants, but I like doing it. And if there's something you like, you like doing, and I love to cook, and then I also like broadcasting, and I like doing the podcast. So it's, for me, it's something I do for a lot of fun, but other people may want to be serious about it. They may want to just have fun doing it. Just reach out because we can help. Yeah, as long as you're passionate in something, reach out. We can see if we can make it happen. All right, that's Jack Hessian. Jack's on his birthday. And Jack didn't want to come on his birthday, but we made him. We made him. <laughs> and we're growing, too. We're, we're, we, we are growing. We've got Jack. We've got Elliot. we got Jill, the intern. We've got uh, Robin Lee and her gang, her gang from um, Morning Bird Media, and they have been great. Morning Bird uh. Media. If you're looking for someone to help you move uh, any kind of a product on social media, I highly recommend Morning Bird Media. Definitely, yeah. They great, do a great job. Great to work with. Anyway, hey, Jack, thank you for coming on the air. We all have to get back to work here today. I'm heading up to Montreal to interview my friend Jan Charbonnet at the, the Geppetto up in Montreal. And then on Monday, I am leaving uh, for 12 days. I'm going to be uh, recording in Amsterdam for five days and then for seven days in in the Bari region of Italy, where my family's from. I'm excited about that, Jack. It sounds like it'll be a great time. I'm excited for you. Yeah, and we're uh, bringing our equipment. Jack is, uh, Jack is very technical, very, very competent, more than competent. He's extremely good at all things technical. And if there's an opposite of Jack being good at all things technical, that would be Dave being bad at all things technical. <laughs> I mean, I am terrible. It's so the opposite to track. It's just the way it's the way it works. It's the way it works. So Jack has showed me for the forty-eighth time the two buttons I need to press on <laughs> on the very expensive device that we bought that records while I'm gone. Um, so hopefully I can press those two buttons successfully, and then. But that's not all. If you're laughing at me out there, making fun of me. When I'm done, I have to press another button. So it's not just two buttons, it's three buttons. What do you think? I the, believe in you, Dave. Do you believe in me? What do you, I mean, from, uh, what do you think the odds are? What percentage do you think in the positive that I will get of, this done? Of it working? Of it working. I want to say it's a good 75%. I was going to say 68.9. So I think we're in. Agreement, but well, the same ballpark. Same yeah. ballpark, but on the other hand, I don't think either one of us would be shocked if somehow I screw those three buttons. No, it up. wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the the craziest surprise. No, no, we'll see what happens. Anyway, Jack, I faith in you. Hey, Jack, uh, you're going to be holding down the ship back here. Thank God, while I'm gone, and we look forward to uh, growing the CSG Broadcast Network. Network Again, if you have a show already out there and you're looking to help move it along, get it rolling, or you just want to start a, a podcast, Jack at CookingSomethingGood.com, he will help you, uh, and we will show you how to do it. 
That's it, Jack. I yes, will, sir. I'll see you when I get back. All right. I will talk to you later, Dave. All right. Thank you. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here at Cooking Something Good. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. Hey, foodies. Do you have kids? Maybe you're a railroad buff. If you're looking for some great family-friendly fun or you're just a train nerd like me, then the Conway Scenic Railroad is a must because they not only combine family fun with the feeling of old-time rail travel, but they have great full kitchen cars and offer different meal options depending on what excursion you choose. A train ride with the kids, food and drinks, the beautiful New Hampshire countryside. It's a great day in beautiful North Conway. And after your trip on the Conway Scenic Railroad, there's still so much to do. North Conway is a restaurant town. It's an outdoor activities town. And for people who love to shop, there's great little artsy boutiques as well as the Settlers Green Outlets. So if you like to shop... This is a great town. For more information about the Conway Scenic Railroad, go to cookingsomethinggood.com and click on the little train icon that says Conway Scenic Railroad. The Conway Scenic Railroad. It's an old-fashioned railroading experience. Hey, foodies, it's Dave. The CSG Broadcast Network, that's the network this show is on, we're looking for new podcasters. So if you have a podcast or if you've ever thought about podcasting, the CSG Broadcast Network, trust me, it's the best platform for new and upcoming podcasters to host their shows. For less than $10 per year, you receive full access to all the other major podcast platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, and all the rest, too. You receive comprehensive analytics, advertising profit sharing opportunities, and you get to collaborate with other podcasters on the network from around America and around the world. Podcasting, hey, it's fun and it's inexpensive. And who knows, maybe, just maybe, your podcast or your podcasting idea might be the next big sensation. For more information, simply email jack at cookingsomethinggood.com or call us 732-336-1040. The CSG Broadcast Network. Together we're listening, we're learning, and we're growing. Hey, we're back here at Cooking Something Good. And you know what? The 24th of March is National Cocktail Day. So when the team got together to discuss who we should get for a guest for National Cocktail Day, it's one of those rare times where we all came up with a blank. So I reached out to my old friend Paul, and Paul said, Do you remember Ned King? I said, Yeah. Yeah, from Lux Deluxe, a great man. Nice kid. And Paul said, he's, he's not a kid. He's a man now. He's a grown man. And he owns a great cocktail bar in East Hampton called Gigantic. You should call him. And I said, better yet, I'll head over there. And I've been telling people that I'm originally from that area. I'm from Northampton. And East Hampton used to be the poor stepsister. It is no longer the poor stepsister. East Hampton is an up-and-coming area. It's a great place to go out at night. It's a great place to live. It is really in a, in a renaissance, and it's, it's a nice area. So I go to this cocktail bar that he told me about called Gigantic, and I'm thinking, boy, it must be a big place. It's not. It's this really 
cool little place owned by Ned King, who's now a full-grown man. We have him on the phone. Ned, I can no longer call you a kid. You're now a man. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. You got a, yeah, you got a great place over there. You picked East Hampton. Nice. Did you kind of recognize that East Hampton was, was turning the corner and becoming this cool little place? Well, um, to be honest, my uh, business partner, James Stillwagon, he, he had already purchased the – it's essentially a condo technically because we're part of a condo association of other – it's one long building with other businesses in it. But he recognized that this was the case maybe – but we bought it in 2018, so I was, I was still bartending at a different bar in Amherst. And he met me there and asked me if I wanted to be part of that project. But at the time, it was definitely uh, – you had to see the potential a bit because there were things on uh, – the street that we're on is called Cottage Street, and that's the arts kind of cultural district of East Hampton. There were things there, but it wasn't the way it is now. So I was kind of taking a bit of a risk leaving the job that I had with that security to – start something in East Hampton hoping that it would pop, but it did. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of restaurants and bars and there's music venues opening and all kinds of great stuff happening there. So, well, it, it, you I, know, the potential was recognized. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, it's really a neat little place. I love little cocktail bars like that anyway. And I love, yeah. I, I love trying different concoctions and, I always wondered what goes into into your menu. How do you construct a menu? Uh, and what, um, what's the focus so of the we, bars? What's the focus of your bar in terms of the approach to the cocktails? Yeah, so our menu is constructed seasonally, which is the way that I've always liked to do it. So the the first approach is basically just to address you know what what's available, what's local. And then what are flavors that people expect from that time? And we usually try and start this process a few months before. So you, you start to analyze like what ingredients you need to use, like I said, what people expect, and then you have to make sure the menu is diverse enough. So you have gin, you have bourbon, rye whiskey, all these different things, rum. But then we like to throw in other funky stuff as well. Um, maybe the, the Spirits that people haven't heard of, like Singani, which is a Bolivian brandy, or, you know, Geneva, which is an early form of Dutch gin. What do you mean by an, what, 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 what do you mean by an early form of Dutch gin? Well, I mean, to, to explain Geneva, it's more, Geneva is kind of in between whiskey and gin. It's malted, mm -hmm. uh, a botanical spirit, but before... You know, everyone knows London Dry style of gin, like Beefeater or, or Gordon's or all these kind of uh, the, the standard gins, I think, that people know. Um, there were two previous styles to that type of gin in the 19th century. There was Geneva, which came from uh, Holland, um, and it's, it's technically its own type of spirit. It is like gin in the fact that it has juniper which is the main characteristic of gin, but it's actually malted like whiskey is. And then there was what was called Old Tom Gin, which is what most people drank in London 
and even in the United States then, it's a sweeter gin. It's kind of got a, a it's aged. Um, but now almost nobody drinks either of those. <laughs> and why is that? We've moved past it. Just you've moved past it. Times change. No, I think, that, to be honest, I think the reason we don't drink it anymore is because, um, uh, well, the biggest reason probably is eventually is the evolution of the martini. Originally, the martini was invented in the latter half of the 19th century and when it was first invented. People today would not recognize a martini. <laughs> it was half vermouth and half gin, which people don't do anymore usually. And it was made with sweet vermouth and old Tom gin, so it was a brown drink. It looked like a Manhattan. Okay. Um, that was a much sweeter version. It had, a, you know, usually there'd be a dash of liqueur in there too. Um, and as we started to move, once like essentially these these products new products were coming into the United States so when London dry gin started coming in that was the new fad when french vermouth came in that was the new fad and french vermouth is dry vermouth the one it's clear and london dry gin is also clear and so when we started to um, enjoy these bartenders started to make the martinis that people recognize the clear beautiful martini that's what caught on and martinis got drier and drier until the 1940s, until it's almost all gin or all vodka with no vermouth. And so I think those older styles of gin that we would have been using in those drinks just kind of faded out of popularity. So, and yeah, times do change. I got to ask you a question. And it goes back to your, and you called it lucky to be there at the right time, but it's not luck. It's, it's the decision you made and got you in East Hampton yeah. at the right time. In the same kind of uh, vein, when I was younger, in my 20s, mm-hmm. we went to bars to drink beer and chase girls. Yeah, I think younger people are getting a little more sophisticated. Now, as I've aged, I enjoy a nice scotch at night. I mm-hmm. enjoy going to a place like yours and... Going with friends and having a you know a drink or two with a couple of couples that's you know that's the kind of thing that I like. But I think younger people are starting to appreciate a, a, a good cocktail more. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know in the past twenty five twenty years, I think people have started to recognize that the cocktail and co- cocktails in general. I guess they're you know. They're a unique American art form, and they're a culinary, they're an important culinary um, part of America. Um, and this is, you know, it's not dissimilar from a lot of the um, interest in different kinds of food now. Like, there's all kinds of restaurants, there's a big focus on, you know, local food or, you know, Locally sourced. Trying to think about it. Yeah, not even that, though. Just trying to think about, like, how, you know, there's, there's a way more interest in good restaurants and good food these days in general. And so just to be able to, like, you know, we're having a podcast or you're on a pod, I'm on a podcast right now talking about food or it's a food podcast. Like, people are interested in this stuff. Yeah, I think the... And the they're ex- interested in cocktails in the same way, I think. It's just... It's no longer going to the bar and having like a shitty 
just like cosmopolitan that has sour mix in it. You know, people want fresh juice. They want quality spirits. And it's because these drinks have been bastardized for so long. And now people are experiencing what they are actually like when they're made with good spirits um, and good products that people don't want to go back. And young people get to experience that. You know, if you just turn 21, you're entering a world of incredibly diverse spirit selection, great cocktails everywhere. You know, you can get a good cocktail on a plane now sometimes or on a cruise ship or bowling alley. This was not the case 15 years ago. Oh, no, not when I was younger. I mean, it was... And what did you... Even when oh, you yeah. went to a bar, you would drink Pabst Blue Ribbon or you drank Schlitz Well, there wasn't any... There weren't or a lot Schaefer. of choices. You know, you yeah. could get an old-fashioned then or you could get a martini, but yeah. The idea that the bartender would even know how to make a martini or an old fashioned properly, yeah, you know, is that, you know, and I agree with you. I yeah, wasn't I, a thing. I think the foodie craze that's come along the last fifteen twenty years. I think it does include uh, mixed drinks and cocktails now. I think people are really. Um, and it, combine those two things together. When they think about it being a foodie, they think about about um, spirits too. Definitely. I mean, I think that you're initially. This may even predate the foodie craze and stuff, but people were. You know, everyone has always been kind of wild about wine. There's always been a big focus on wine, good quality wine, where it comes from, who's producing it, and. Those two things have always been intertwined, food and wine. You go to like a Michelin-star restaurant, and you're going to have an amazing wine list paired with your food. But they were, you know, you could go to an, an insanely perfect restaurant in New York City and have the best wine list and the best food, and they're still going to have shit cocktails if it was 30 years ago. Yeah. And it, <laughs> you're still going to pay $35 for a crappy martini because people didn't care and people didn't think. And but that yeah, and, and cocktails were elegant in any kind of way. Yeah, and I think they are elegant in 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 some cases, um, not more so, but just as much. But you never, maybe even today, you don't you don't go to a restaurant and and say, hey, what what cocktail pairs well with the salmon I'm having, or what cocktail pairs well mm-hmm. with the with the beef or the pork or the chicken? Let's talk, can you talk to that a little bit? Well. That gets a little bit more complicated. I think there are cases, there are, there are definitely food pairings that I would could suggest for people. One that's great is there's an Italian cocktail called a Negroni. A Negroni and like a good pizza is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I will say wine is in general a better pairing for a meal. Unless you're going to a class, there's things like that are classics like steakhouse food where you get like you go get a big steak and people will have martinis with them. Because those drinks are generally simple enough that they are not going to combat your food. Cocktails can be pretty complicated. It's kind of why we have a cocktail hour. It's its own thing. And if you go around the world in places like Italy and France and Spain, they have the, like an aperitivo hour, which is like getting your, um, your palate ready to eat. Yep. So that's why they have all these. You know, in Italy, they have the spirit called amaros, which are like bittersweet liqueurs. And they're essentially just appetite, pre- like preparation for your appetite. Um, we don't do that so much in the States. Some people, you know, if you, if you have immigrant grandparents, will have, you know, they'll drink Sambuca after dinner or some kind of like liqueur. That's, you know, that's part of that tradition. 
Yeah, I mean, um, my, my, but, my grandfather, from uh, who was my great-grandfather, his liqueur, he was from Italy, and that was just a part of his daily evening routine. Yeah. And the guy lived forever. Yeah, the guy lived forever. Yeah. I mean, Ned, these people are... They, something people, to it. Yeah, those people who drank, and, you know, and they didn't drink a lot, but they drank a little bit every night. I think well, it's because you know, they worked. Well, study that came to, out about this. A study about... And it was basically saying about drinking it's like people who drink socially live longer and the conclusion of it has nothing to do with alcohol it's just that if you drink socially casually and not to excess you're more relaxed you're less stressed out that makes sense that makes perfect sense that's all it is because stress takes so much time off our lives by you know worrying about every single goddamn thing sometimes letting back a little bit is is the way to go oh I know and and Two great Churchill quotes that kind of come into play here. One is, uh, he's he found that uh, half the things or ninety five percent of the things he worried about never happened. My favorite, yeah. my favorite Churchill quote of all time is he uh, had a reputation for uh, champagne in the afternoon, scotch in the morning, scotch all day long, and then I can't something else at night every single day. Um, but he. Yeah. They asked him when he was about 90 years old, do you think alcohol had a negative effect? He said, no, I've gotten more out of alcohol than it's gotten out of me. And I yeah. love that quote. But there's another one about, what is this about his, I can't remember exactly. It's something about the woman talking to him. Oh, yeah. Like, you're drunk. He goes, you're, dis- yeah, you're drunk. You're disgustingly drunk. And he said, yeah, you're, you're ugly. And in the morning, I'll be sober. Yeah. God. <laughs> What a great line. God, good Churchill once. I remember he was also in what is it, the White House. Frank Roosevelt had him at the White House. And uh, Roosevelt accidentally came in on him in the bathroom. Yeah, when he was naked. Yeah, and he was like, uh, I've got nothing to hide from the President yes. of the United States. His Majesty's First Minister has nothing to hide from the President yeah. of the United States. Just off the cuff. But he drank a lot. He, he was a big drinker. He loved his scotch. And he did. Let me tell you. I'm going to ask you a question because I'm going to tell you a story. And maybe you can – actually, you're probably the perfect person to help me with this. I hated any kind of hard liquor. Yeah. Really hated. Brown liquor especially. And then, yeah. I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago – my wife had a very nice young woman who worked, uh, it was her assistant. And at the time, my wife was working in Belfast in Northern Ireland, and she'd be traveling back and forth every 10 days. And about a year later, her assistant came out, very, very nice um, young woman, and she brought me a present. She brought me a bottle of, oh boy, I can't remember the name of it. And I can't remember, if it was, I think it was whiskey. And it was... Yeah. Uh, an Irish whiskey? Yeah, what would it be called? You could get it at Big I don't know. You can get it at, uh, you can get it like Big Y. I'm drawing a blank right now. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Thinking to myself, I'm yeah. going to put this on the top shelf. I'll never drink it because when I mean the top shelf, I mean behind the Tupperware. That's what I mean by top shelf. Mm-hmm. Behind the refrigerator, behind the Tupperware, and I'll never see it again. She goes, oh, let's try some. I was like, oh, great. I don't like this. So she poured a little, and I took a sip. I was like, wow, this is van. I loved it. And then I became, I, yeah. I, I became, you know, and I don't mean I took a shot. I mean, a, a shot, maybe a half a shot a night I'd put over ice, and I'd sip it. 
And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that kind of, and I like to read, so I'd start a fire in the wintertime and sip and read. Didn't take too long. I mean, it didn't happen in two days. It was a pretty big bottle, but you know, a month, month and a half later, it was gone. So yeah. I was like, oh boy. So I was at, you know, Big Y shopping at the time. And I like doing it. I like going to Big Y because I can imitate the voice of the guy who's on the intercom. So I like to walk <laughs> up right next to people and get kind of uncomfortably close. And then I say, always the best prices, always the best deals. It's no big surprise. It's my big why. And then people just walk away uncomfortably. It's one of those things I like to do. But anyway, I was at the, and I saw it. I think it starts with a D. Dunhill? Is Dunhill? Uh-huh. I don't know. I was like, well, that's uh, it. That's it. Yeah. I can't think. Home or do? No. It's like the... I don't know. It's not the $90 bottle. It's not the $9 bottle. It's like the $20 or $39 bottle. I was really happy. I said, there it is. It's the exact same bottle. I brought it home. I compared. Yep, same bottle. I opened it up. Is it Dewar's? No, it's not Dewar's. (laughs) Keep going. I can't think. Anyway, so I opened it up, and I was all happy, and I had a fire going. I had my book, and it was terrible. I said, I got a bad bottle. Hmm. And it's like $39. I brought it back. I said, and I'm not the bring it back kind of person. I get a really, really yeah. bad meal at a restaurant. Well, you know, these people are trying to, you know how it is. You're running a business. You're trying to stay alive. You don't want to bring it back. You don't want to tell anybody that you got a bad meal because, eh, you don't want to hurt anybody's business. But I brought it back. I said, you know, this, there's something wrong. This is not right. Very yeah. nice. Big white people were very nice. They gave me another bottle. And I took it home, and it was terrible again. I said, huh, mm. I've lost my taste. And there's Dave. You know, I've lost my taste for this. About nine months later, she comes back on another business trip, and she brings me another bottle. It was fantastic again. What's the difference between the bottle yeah. she's bringing me? And I compared the two bottles. I said, they're the same bottle. What's the difference? Same bottle. Yeah. But she's getting hers from the distillery there. And I'm getting mine from yeah. the, from the liquor store or the the grocery store here. What's going on here? Well, the the only there's, there's two possibilities. I would say the one possibility that I can think of. Well, one one is that they there is it's possible that it's a different blend that they sell in Ireland. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible. Usually with products that are international like that, the. Uh, it's, they're done the same way. If it's like a, a normal bottling, it shouldn't be any different in the States than it is there, but it's not impossible that they do different, you know, they have a different blend. Because yeah. usually those, lots of Irish whiskeys, lots of scotches are blends. So the people there might prefer something else. The other thing I can think of is, like you said, maybe not necessarily that you have a bad bottle, but one, it could just be just like one that you don't like, a style. And that the possibility of that is, you know, they try if they're supposed to be. Did it say single malt on it at all? Or did it say it was a blend? Do you remember? It's single malt. That oh, I, was a single that, malt. It was single malt. That's what I remember. Okay. Well, so if it's not a blend, then I'm not sure what's going on with the one that she's, she brought back for you. But the right. thing is, is with single malts is that they try and make those a consistent product. But you're aging with different barrels every time. 
you know, and there are, you know, naturally going to be slight differences. Like you can taste through, you know, there's Lagavulin 16, which is a very famous scotch that everyone, yeah. you know, likes smoky peaty. Um, there are nuances in that that happen. And you have to think about the fact that most single malts, especially in Scotland and Ireland, are aged between 8 and 20 years. So a lot can happen in 15, 12 years in a barrel. Yeah, maybe, so maybe everything, maybe. They, everything they had at Big Y was probably the same, um, essentially the same style because it had come over. At the same time. Um, yeah. At the same time. Yeah. So you're probably not going to like any of those. <laughs> yeah. Maybe but I should get 15 years old. Maybe it was, bringing back, maybe it was, you know, different. maybe you have a great palate and that's the whole thing. You're actually noticing these nuances that other people might not. Maybe I'm a refined, a refined. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe they, I'm refined. Maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm an expert. Let me ask you a question and I don't know the answer and I'm not ashamed to say I don't know the answer but I'm a little ashamed to say I don't know the answer. What's the difference between scotch and whiskey? Well, whiskey is kind of the overarching category. Um, so rye whiskey, bourbon, um, Japanese whiskey, scotch whiskey, Irish whiskey, they're all whiskey. Okay. But scotch um, is made in Scotland. <laughs> it's essentially the, That's it. the um, determining factor. And there are a lot of different rules for what scotch is and what scotch isn't. Yeah, it's another. But, um, now that we're on a Churchill um, kind of discussion earlier, but it's another great story. He was dr- driving through the. He is on a train uh, somewhere in the. I think this is after he had left office in '48 and '49. But he was on a train somewhere in the south, and they had brought him. Uh, they said, "Here's your scotch," and he pulled the emer- emergency stop, and the train slammed on the brakes, and he made one of his guys go find some scotch because it was actually not scotch; it was different kind of whiskey. I yeah, yeah. What's the difference? But the taste, as far as taste, is there a big difference? Is a scotch different um, from the, the, is it just a unique taste? Scotch is very unique. I mean, the thing that you'll find most similar to scotch is actually a lot of Japanese whiskeys because huh. um, this, the, the history on that being as um, General Takatsura, who was the earliest distillers in Japan learned how to make whiskey in Scotland and those early styles of Japanese whiskey, you know, some of the biggest companies have been making those styles of whiskey for a long time. They drink a lot of blends in Scotland or in uh, Japan. A lot of, uh, you know, highballs are very popular. So Japanese whiskey and soda water is a very popular drink. They make a really great, product over there there's a lot of incredible whiskeys from japan which is kind of why the price of japanese whiskeys are outrageous usually but um and they're available so here there are similarities oh yeah yeah you can buy all kinds of japanese whiskey well, i'm going to try that what's uh, what just expect what, what, to pay a lot of money what, what would you, <laughs> you recommend find, you can find some that are affordable um any any of the nika bottlings n-i-k-k-a are always pretty great um some of those are affordable but they can be hard to find yeah um what am I trying to think of the name right now? Uh, well, if you think of it, you can come back to it. Yeah, Kawhi is also one. That's one that's pretty good. But, um, yeah, so they uh, the, the, the styles are very similar in certain respects. But when you're getting into a little bit of the wilder single malts from Scotland, there are all these different regions. You know, there's Isla, 
There's um, the Speyside, Campbelltown. Um, there's a bunch. And they all make their own styles of scotch. You get to, like, the Campbelltown brand. Is, there's only a few distilleries down there, and their whiskey is very... So we've got an umami thing, a little saline. Sometimes we call it Band-Aid, like a medicinal <laughs> yeah. character. But, there, but uh, Springbank, being the biggest distillery there, makes incredible whiskey, some of the best whiskey in the world. And then there's Isla, which everyone knows in terms of, like, if people watch Parks and Recreation, there's the whole thing with Nick Opperman's character being obsessed with Lagavulin whiskey. I think a lot of younger people are aware of Isla whiskey because of it. But that brand is all... You know, heavier, rich, rich whiskey with smoky and the peated character, so kind of an earthy character. A little bit of dried fruit, dried raisins, and things like that. Oh. Very characteristic of Isla whiskey. Really good. But these are the kinds of whiskeys that are often off-putting to people, and they take time. It takes time to develop a palate to enjoy it because some people don't like the fact that they take a sip and it feels like they just like took a gulp of gasoline. Campfire, gasoline, you know? yeah. I love that, but I hated it when I first tried it. It took me a long time to get used to it. Well, but that was a great thing about working at my first bar job was a whiskey bar. So we had, you know, over 100 whiskeys, and I got to learn a lot about whiskey. Well, <laughs> it's practice, practice, practice. you got to keep practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taste, t- taste, taste. Hey, we're drunk, talking drunk, to drunk. Ned King, uh, owner of Gigantic, a cool little cocktail bar in East Hampton, Massachusetts. If you're from that area and you want to go out to dinner, and my wife and I plan on doing this soon, but you want to stop at Gigantic first, you can. I highly recommend it. But let's talk about some of the restaurants in the area. If they stop by your joint and they have a, a like a drink beforehand or afterwards, where do you where do you recommend they go? Um, there are a couple pretty great options. Um, there on the on the actual on Cottage Street, there's Kasara, which has got some great Korean barbecue, Japanese food. Mm-hmm. There's Lovebird Kitchen, which is inside. There's a there's a bar slash music venue called Luthier's Co-op, and Lovebird just opened up inside of that space, so you can get food while you watch music or have a drink at their bar. And that food is sort of um, New American style, but they do an incredible job with dry-aged burgers and all these like great small bites, but the chefs there are, are incredible. Um, and then you also have uh, Nini's, which has been on that street forever, which is uh, uh, Italian, Nini's, like yeah. very classic Italian, like Italian American food. But there's also places, you know, if you're there a little bit earlier in the day, there's Small Levitt Bakery, which has got some of the best bread and best sandwiches in the Valley for sure. They also do pastries and things like that. And then, if you're not on Cottage Street, but you want to swing, like you're on Cottage Street, you go to my bar, but then you want to kind of check out other spots in East Hampton. In the Eastworks building, which is maybe a two or three minute drive away, there's Daily Operation. They just got uh, their semi uh, finalist, James Beard Award. Oh, wow. And they, yeah, and they also do kind of, you know, new American cu- cuisine, kind of Asian inspired food. And, their food is like you will never experience more flavor. <laughs> wow, what's it? What's, and what's that called again? Uh, Daily operation, and that's in the Eastwork Building in East Hampton. Yep, I'm taking notes, Ned. I'm taking notes. Yeah, no, you have to stop in there. 
Oh, I need to, I need a trip down. I need a trip down. Great dessert. I need a message. Oh, desserts. See, a dessert and a cocktail. Does it get better than that? It doesn't. The other nice thing to let people know, um, you can also bring food into my bar. Oh, I didn't know that. We allow that. So if you're going, you want to go to Mission Cantina, which is the Mexican restaurant on Cottage Street, and they're packed, you can always take it to go. Bring it over to the bar. And Mission Cantina has great food. I love their tacos. Yeah, no, they they do a really good job. Some of the best tacos I've had south of or north of Texas. <laughs> that's that's great. Hey, the pandemic had to be really hard for you guys. Uh, what was your mindset? How did you get through that? It was difficult. I mean, the biggest difficulty in it was we weren't at any point allowed to reopen because we didn't have food. Um. And the stipulation was that you, in order to, to sell anything to go, you needed to have at least like a certain size menu for people to order food. There were a lot of convoluted things going on, so it was difficult. So we were closed for 15 months. Wow. And to be totally honest, we were just lucky in that we owned the space, so that we weren't paying rent to anyone. That we is, just had to yeah, maintain that, that was a key. insurance and a bunch of other Yeah, things. that was a key for so many people. If you own your building, it, has, it just had your chances were oh, better. Oh, yeah. Way up, way up. Yeah. I mean, we, when we reopened, we had $1,500 left. Wow. <laughs> so we barely, we barely made it. 15 yeah. months is a long time. Most, most businesses don't have six months of runway. So. And then we were able to get a, a restaurant relief grant, and that, that has kept us where we are now, which is in a, in a pretty good place. So we're, we're definitely lucky, but it was, it was not a sure thing that we were coming back. No, and so many places didn't, but we're glad you did. Ned King, gigantic, a great cocktail bar in an up-and-coming town, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Ned, thanks for joining us. And uh, do you have any live music going on over there or no? We do, actually. We're, we're starting to... Um, it may be kind of like twice a month, once a month sort of thing, but we did, you know, Danny Bernini, who you know, helped us install a big, beautiful PA system. So we're actually doing this coming Friday. Jake Manzi is going to play uh, some music in there. We're going to do some surf rock. It's going to be a whole thing. And then after that, we're going to start having artists in throughout the summer. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You know, you got Danny Bernini. If he's putting something together for you that has anything to do with music, you, there's no better person in the country. I and, would agree. And then you've got his son, Gabe, who is mm -hmm. just an, a great musician and a great guy. It's You see the next generation. You see Jake Manzi coming in, and then you you think of well, people yeah. my age think of his dad, Frankie, an amazing musician and singer and songwriter. So it's nice to see... Mm -hmm. That continuation, though, and, and people like you, uh, and people don't know it, uh, uh, Ned is an amazing singer. He was in a great band called Lux Deluxe, and you have just a, such a great, unique voice. So we hope to uh, maybe some night catch you in there playing, too. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. No, it's true. I wouldn't say it. If you sucked, I would say you suck. <laughs> I would tell my audience, because my audience podcast. deserves the truth. You know, it's my podcast. And they it's just, true, but they, they just, deserve the truth about food. You can tell them lies about my music. No, but it's not. Ask anyone. It's a really cool. How do you get the? I mean, I I sing, but I can never get to, to that low range. It's amazing. Oh, you, my 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 range. Yeah, I don't know. You're born with it, man. 
Yeah. I wish I could gift it to you, but I can't. Nope. I can get I I just can't get anywhere near. I mean, it's just unique. It's really cool. Great bar, great singer-songwriter, great town. Lots happening at Gigantic in East Hampton. Ned, thanks for joining us. It was a good. I had a good time. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Dave. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay a couple of bills when we come back more here at Cooking Something Good. Stick a round. Hey, foodies, welcome back to Cooking Something Good. You know, when it comes to your kitchen, some things you determine to be necessities, and everyone has their own unique preferences. And for me, it's very good extra virgin olive oil. In my kitchen, there's always only one, and that's Manny's Olive Oil. It comes from the Greek island of Crete. Manny's Olive Oil is harvested by hand, which is very rare in this day and age. It's not harvested by a huge automated machine, and that means there's no chemicals, and it means only the best olives make it into each bottle. I can tell the difference. It's the only olive oil I keep in my kitchen. Manny's olive oil comes from his family's own native olive trees on Greece's largest island, Crete. This affordable, gourmet olive oil has a unique and bold flavor that can't be found anywhere else. Manny uses only the highest quality of olives, which means they produce only the highest quality of olive oil. You can find Manny's olive oil as well as restaurant gift certificates and other great food-related items at cookingsomethinggood.com. Cookingsomethinggood.com. Manny's olive oil from Greece with love. Hey, everyone. If there's one thing I know quite a bit about, it's solid waste disposal and recycling. I ran a trash company for 25 years, and my family owned a trash company three generations. My grandparents started it for about 75 years. If you are, say, doing your kitchen over, cleaning something out, or you own a small business, a medium-sized business, a large business, a huge corporation, or you just need trash picked up at your house, I'm going to tell you, the company you want to call is E.L. Harvey. You can find them at elharvey.com. This is a pretty big company, but it's still family-owned, and it's still family-run. They've been in the business, the Harvey family, since 1911. Yeah, they're going on 110 years. They're great corporate citizens. The family is made up of some of the nicest people I've ever dealt with, and I mean that sincerely. If you need something that's related to solid waste or recycling. The company to call is E.L. Harvey. You can reach them at elharvey.com. E.L. Harvey, quietly improving the quality of life with environmentally sound and economically sensible solid waste and recycling since 1911. Hey, we're back, and as promised, it is National Cocktail Day. And when it comes woo! to woo, when it comes to food and drink, <laughs> there is someone out there. We have our Southeast Asian expert, Dan Flurkey, on the phone. Dan, thanks for being hey, on. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the show. Ah, thanks. Good to be on. Dan, anything for Cocktail Day. Anything for Cocktail Day. You know, I always talk about you as being a a, a great cook almost a chef and just an, <laughs> and it, it kind of carries over into dessert into cocktails too yeah uh, you put together sure. some great combinations you're in singapore what's it what's yeah. a cocktail scene like out there it's it's huge there is uh i think if you go like to the top the list they always come out with the top 
you know, cocktail bars in the world. Singapore at least has one or two cocktail bars that are listed on at least the top 20. So it's a, it's a huge, um, not huge. It's just kind of like a, a new venue for people to go to. Cocktails are always the, the go-to places, but they're outrageously expensive here. So you only go for maybe one or two cocktails and then you go somewhere else to drink a cheap tiger beer. So what's, what is a tiger beer? Let's start there. I know it's not a cocktail. Oh, what is it? Is it no, like no. a tiger beer is the, it's the local, it's the Singapore brew of just tiger beer. It's how they make their beer. It's regular tiger beer. Okay. It's, it's nothing. It's like a Budweiser it's, or a right. Coors. So it's, it's nothing special. Okay. But what, what we do have here, speaking of beer, we do have um, a bar called tap. And so for some reason they have the rights or the ability to import these fantastic beers from around the world and, you know, primarily the U.S. like craft beers. Deschutes is one of them that comes in here. And you can get a decent pint for 10 sing, which is maybe, what, seven, eight dollars a pint, which is a really good price. Usually some pints here are around 18, 15, 18 dollars for a pint of beer. But you can go to those, you can go to tap. And you can get some really good beers um, from around the world at a really at a decent price. So that's that's the beer scene. Yeah, but we're so the we're cocktail on, scene yeah we're the cocktail is scene. Different. What is yeah. the what what is your favorite? First of all, what's your favorite cocktail bar? Um, I would say there's a bar here called Smoke and Mirrors, and that is above uh, the National Gallery here. It's um, right near the Padang where they have all the 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 parliament's there. There's this huge field with the with the Singapore Cricket Club. You can see it looking to Marina Bay Sands. Um, you just sit on top. It's only like four or five stories high, but it has an unobstructed view of this of the Singapore skyline. You can sit there, order any different kind of cocktail, and just hang out and enjoy the scene. It's really just a place just to, to hang out. And you know, my my drink is a um, I like a pisco sour, which is it's kind of hard to find pisco around here. And then also an old fashioned is my main go to cocktail. I I try to stay away from all the other crazy ones. But, um, you know, there's there's these bars here now that are open that can have these they have these amazing bartenders that can just mix. And they ask you, do you like something sweet, something sour, something herbal? And they go back and they, they bring you these drinks that are just amazing. So let's go back for a second. I don't know what Pisco is. Pisco Sour? Yeah. So a Pisco Sour is like the national drink of Peru and Chile. And uh, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, Santiago um, like five years ago and then go out to Easter Island. And it's their national drink. And it's Pisco. It's a – I should have looked this up before the call. But it's it's like a hardcore – vodka-ish kind of soury drink. I'm sure your listeners can correct me. Then uh, lemon juice and simple syrup and then egg whites. Huh. So it's really it's really frothy and then you top it off with, with bitters and it's, it's frothy and refreshing and I love citrus and it's um, just one of those drinks that you just, you got to be careful because the alcohol content is there and you just drink them down like it's a... Seven Eleven, I see. Like a dessert, almost. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. problem when you get into drinks like that, because yeah. you're like, "Hey, this is a really nice dessert. I'll have, I'll have my fifth yeah. piece." Yeah, but then, I mean, for me, the night I like going to a Negroni 
um, something like that. You can just yeah. sip for, for an hour and oh. then you can just let that big ice cube melt and you don't get, uh, you don't get lit. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> uh, went out last Friday, uh, saw your, your Facebook page maybe a week or mm. two ago. You had a beautiful, uh, cocktail that you had made a, uh, oh yeah, you had made a, um, old fashioned and you had it in an old fashioned yeah. glass. Yeah. The citrus. And I said, huh, Dan's done it again. So we went out on Friday night <laughs> with some friends and they were taking drink orders. And I said, I'll have an old fashioned. Well, herein lies the problem. I don't know, or I didn't know at the time what an old fashioned was. <laughs> so they started asking me questions. And I said, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Do you want, bah? I was like, yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. And do you like it with, bah? yeah. And then uh, my wife said to me, what is an old-fashioned? I said, beats the hell out of me. <laughs> but I rather liked it. I did like it. Yeah. I had it, yeah. But it didn't look. It tasted fine, and it looked okay. But when I saw your picture, yeah. and I saw their old-fashioned, I said, yeah. boy, I wish they had, they had gone to Singapore and brought this back from Dan Flurkey's. I'm telling you though, I so there's some old fashions out there. So th the reason why I started drinking old fashions is because Don Draper drinks them from Mad Men. That's it. I'm is that the totally only reason? shallow? <laughs> and that is where that comes from because I wanted to be like Don Draper, and it was so cool to order an old fashioned. And then, then I'm I'm into whiskey, so whiskey is my main is one of my main drinks besides yeah. wine. So I'm not a big cocktail guy unless I go out and with a bunch of friends and they're ordering cocktails. But so I, I love the whiskeys and you can order different types of old fashions depending on the whiskey that you choose. If you want a maker's mark or a Laphroaig, something, you know, a Laphroaig whiskey or a maker's mark, a, you know, or a bourbon, there's many traditional ways to make it, but you can make it smoky. You can make it peaty. You can make it sweet. You can, they can mash a cherry in it. They can not, they can do less sugar. It's, and and when I go to different bars, sometimes they'll make it with crushed ice and it just gets diluted. You know, traditionally, it's just like one big ice cube and it just slowly melts. It doesn't really dilute the drink. And that's why, you know, I'm a big old fashioned guy because it's one of those drinks that you can just sit there and sip and look like Don Draper. Yeah. You want how shallow I am? <laughs> she asked, uh, the waitress asked, do you want that with whiskey, bourbon or rye? And me. Oh, great I, question. Yes. So I, I said, you know what? I think I'll try rye this time. The man who didn't even yeah. know what was an old-fashioned and never had one. So it looked like I knew what I was talking about, but I really had no clue whatsoever. None. What would you think? I enjoyed it. I really did. I, I mean, do you drink whiskey? Do you like whiskey? I do really? like whiskey, and I never yeah. liked whiskey. Uh, and mm. I've, I've told this story already, so I won't tell it again, but a, a friend of my wife's brought, some, me, brought me some whiskey from the distillery in northern, mm. in Bel, outside of Belfast. Yeah. You know, and... I had never liked it, and I loved it. And then I tried to. I bought the exact same bottle here after it was gone. Yeah. Uh, and I will admit it was gone too quickly. And um, yeah, it didn't taste that good. And six months later, she bought another one. There's been an explanation, so we know why now. And we we've yeah. gone over that on the show earlier. So, but yeah. it was. Uh, it, since then, yeah, I like whiskey, and my wife hates the smell of whiskey. Oh well, that's actually good and bad. But anyway, <laughs> man, all this talk, I'm going to actually pour a Morlock 16 right now, Dave, because I'm actually enjoying this conversation. I'm thinking about whiskey. Yeah, that's uh, 8 o'clock at night Singapore time as we speak. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Here it goes. Yeah. yeah. But um, 
Yeah, so the scene here is is really big for cocktails, um, but it, they're all it's all price crazy. I mean, you really have to have a lot of money to live here and go out and party. It's hard to go out and drink and stuff. So yeah, it's a lot expen- of people they'll get they'll get duty free and they'll make drinks at home and then you just go out after duty free. What the hell is duty free? What does that mean? Are you saving any money at duty free? Yeah, it means they're not they're not charging the tax. Yeah. Are they up? Are it they... depends on some of the stuff. It depends. You really need to know your prices and stuff. Like for, I was going to say, you get I mean, ripped off there. Like, um, like you can buy a bottle of Jack Daniels. How much in the U.S.? I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm like like twenty bucks, yeah. thirty bucks. Yeah, depends on size. Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah. So a bottle of Jack Daniels in the store here is close to a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. As I think in duty free, I think it's around forty. So I mean, you can save you know a pretty good amount of money, but you got to know doing duty you free. have to know your prices. Yeah, because they can upcharge. Yeah, you know, well, it's, free, sure. it's free shipping, and the shipping usually costs three ninety nine, but they charge yeah. six dollars more. But, yeah, mean, it's not free. I, I think for you, it's not a big deal going into the U.S. for duty free. It's yeah. not you're not saving a lot, but coming into a country like Singapore where they have a, a sin tax, so they tax you know, cigarettes and cigars and whiskey and beer and wine at a, you know, pretty, pretty big number. So it it depends on where I think you're flying into. Yeah. Cosmetics and all that stuff. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm not a duty for, I'm not a shopper anyway. I don't like to shop. I'm not a big shopping guy. Hey, Dan Flurky, what else is, before I let yeah. you go, anything else from Singapore? And it, it, we expect now that you're going to be a monthly contributor um, oh, that'd be great! Because our audience, our, our, our audience loves you, and we already have a Seattle correspondent. So now we need a Singapore <laughs> correspondent. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my resume. You should. Yeah, I've should. always told you that you should be. Yeah. In, you should be in acting. You should be in entertainment. Um, you should be. Uh, you could be a, a personal man. chef. You and it's true. I always say there's some people who are pretty good cooks. Some people think they're pretty good cooks in their average. Uh, some people think they're great <laughs> cooks and they're pretty good cooks, but. When someone else says, you know, I think I'm a great cook, but I'm a pretty good cook. And I know in, in the back of my mind, I realize that. But when you talk about people like uh, yourself, and I'll say that without hesitation, you are as close to a chef uh, as anyone oh, thanks, I know Dave. who's not professional. You are thanks, man. in every sense yeah. of the word and a class act. And we always enjoy having you on the show. Dan Flurkey, our Singapore. Thanks, Dave. Right. Hey, by the way, we need a name. If we're, if we're going to have a, a, a monthly, we need a name for this segment. So let's think about that. We'll think about it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks, Dave. Always good uh, joining you. I, I, I love your podcast. Love the website. I think you're doing good things out there. Thanks for including me. Hey, thanks, Dan. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this with more of Cooking Something Good. Please stick around. Hey, out there, if you're a restaurant owner or a restaurant manager, I want to tell you about a game-changing spill recovery solution. It's called Spill Solved. Now, you're always going to want to have it nearby for when those nasty spills happen and for when you're cleaning up your greasy floors at the end of a shift. There's no more chemicals and mops to clean your greasy floors at the end of the day. Spill Solved goes on dry. It works instantly on grease and all kinds of spills, leaves no oily residue, and it leaves the affected area safe for foot traffic immediately. It's great for restaurants, and it's reusable. 
It's really a great product. You can buy Spills All at cookingsomethinggood.com or for more information and an on-site demonstration, call Spills All at 413-537-8979. Spills All, the new standard in spill recovery. Hello, I'm Mike Torville, host of Healing Voices Project, where we share stories of addiction, grief, recovery, and courage. We're happy to be working with the folks at Cooking Something Good, where you'll find entertaining, inspiring, and thought-provoking programs. To learn more about my show and others on the CSG Broadcast Network, please go to csgbn.com. We'd love to have you visit. Thanks. We're back. It's time for today's Sharila Dila. Of the day, Sharila Dila, Sharila Dila, Sharila Dila of the day. Fun to say, Sharila Dila of the day. You know, we got an email, oh, a couple of days ago from Allison. And Allison sent us an email from Jensen Beach, Florida. And she says, I listen to your show all the time on the CSG broadcast network, CSGBN. Thank you, Allison. And when you were in Florida, you had a lot of great deals on restaurants down here, but now you don't make them Sharila deal a day anymore. That's not fair. Would you please make one of the restaurants down in the Jensen Beach, Florida area one of your Sharila deals of the day? Well, we always have great deals at the csgbn.com shop, but you're right. We have not had a... a Sharila deal from that area in quite some time and we apologize and we're going to do it today. Today's Sharila deal of the day is 60%, hmm, 60% off a $20 gift card to the iconic Conky Joe's restaurant overlooking the beautiful Indian River in Jensen Beach, Florida. And indeed, you can find it at the CSGBN.com and just go to our shop, the CSG Broadcast, CSG Broadcast Network shop, and you'll find it. It's a $20 gift card to Conky Joe's for just 8 bucks. And there you go, Allison. It's, it's yours. It's today's Sharila Dila the Day. But remember, supplies are limited. There is no limit, though. So, Allison, if you'd like to buy them all, you could. Or just buy one, or you can buy two, or three. You can buy as many or as few as you want. But it is today's Sharila deal of the day for all you great fans who were so nice to us for the month of January that we spent in that region of America. It is the Sharila deal of the day, and it's for you, Allison, in Jensen Beach, Florida. Hey, guess what? That's it. This show is over. Yet sad, but it's true. Thanks for joining us today. Another foodie fun road has been traveled, and we traveled it together. And that's always fun. Special thanks to our guest today, Ned King. He's the co-owner of a unique, fun, yet serious about their cocktails cocktail bar called Gigantic. And it's in the fast-growing, trendy restaurant town of East Hampton, Massachusetts. If you're in that part of the world, you will want to give it a try. We did here at Cooking Something Good, and we are glad that we did. 
Also, thanks to our Southeast Asian correspondent and food connoisseur stationed in Singapore, Dan Flurkey, for his take on the cocktail culture in that region of the world. Dan is an expat, a great cook in his own right. He can almost be called a chef. And when it comes to mixing a great cocktail, you may find people that are as good, but you will have trouble finding anyone better in all the world than Dan Flurkey. So we are very fortunate and thankful he joins us regularly on the show for his perspective on everything food-related from the far side of the world. And speaking of the far side of the world, the next four shows will be from Europe. We'll have two shows in Amsterdam and then two shows in Italy. We're hitting the road. We're traveling and we're recording in both Holland and Italy. It's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to, among other things, I'm going to spend some time and do an interview with a distant relative of mine, my great-grandmother, Spinoza, Donata Spinoza. I'm going to be visiting her family, and we will be talking to them about food. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Cooking Something Good is a production of the CSG Broadcast Network, and all rights are reserved. Any rebroadcast, retransmissions, or accounts of this program without the express Written consent of L, the mini golden doodle. Yeah, the cutest damn dog in all the world is prohibited. Remember, if you have an idea for a podcast and you want to make it a reality, or if you already have a podcast and want to help it grow, we can make that happen. Contact the CSG Broadcast Network. Just email jack at cookingsomethinggood.com for more information. And remember, until next time, Food is fun, and fun is food, and it's always foodie fun time here at Cooking Something Good. Don't wait for it to happen. Get out there and make today a great food day. Bye now. We'll see you from Europe next time.